0: This is the Simply King Podcast. This is your boy, Rodney Perry, King himself, and you just tuned into the soulfully conscious podcast for humans, simply being humans. And today is yet again another special one. Uh, Right back at it. And uh, I'm so glad to finally be able to sit down and like record a conversation with my guest today. I have here with me a current student at Brown University studying poli-sci, I believe. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And um, has certainly, certainly, you know, put her all of her feet into the realm of content creation giving out really great takes about the things that are happening around in culture and sports and so much more i had to talk to her love her look you probably have seen her on TikTok because it's mad moody but it's like real good luck lighting and everything it hit her skin just right it's 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 bomb please please welcome 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 sydney Rosant.
1: Thank you, thank you, Robin, for having me. Um, I mean, I'm definitely an admirer of your content, like the way you address things in such a nuanced way. I admire it. So, like when you know we, you reached out, I was like, yes, obviously.
0: I love that. I appreciate. I really do appreciate it because I swear you don't know what people really feel about what you be saying. Just, I think it's because <laughs> you know, being on places like TikTok, being you know, posting your things on the internet in general, it's crazy how it feels like people who disagree see it first. <laughs> it's like, I ain't for this shit, and I'm gonna tell you. And it's like, why are y'all here first? And then... you know they don't like you. They will
1: let you know.
0: Let you know. And then, like, it, and like I'll meet people out in public in real life and like bring up a post I made or something like that, and they'll be like, "Oh damn, you had you you oh you, po- you, you make content like that." I'm like, "Yeah, damn, that's really I like how you put that." I'm like, "Thank you." Shit, I wish you was. <laughs> I wish you. I wish I could have captured that as a comment and th- th- threw it up in here for my analytics, so that that all I'm getting is not just a bunch of people disagreeing with me because mm-hmm. it's so interesting. I don't mind the debate. I'm I'm like very well versed in. You know, giving the pros and the cons of certain things, but I think a lot of people aren't. It's like a lot of people just really want to argue. And I don't mind discourse. I don't mind like speaking to somebody who maybe just doesn't see things the same way I do. But what is weird is if we both aren't coming at this in a nuanced way. Because you might be coming in it from this way, and I might be coming in it from this way, and we might find some middle ground. But these days, it feels like people have walls up that are meant to just forever be boundaries of like, just obtuse thinking that it's kind of like, what's the point? Like, like, no, I feel this way. And I'm going back and forth with you because I feel like you need to stop saying shit like this. And that's weird to me.
1: It is. And I think that, like, for whatever reason, like some people, like when they get triggered on social media or they hear something they don't like, I mean, they let loose and I think it's also the fact that it's not like an in person conversation because like I feel like if I were to interact with the people who disagree with me in person I'm not saying they would agree with me the, at the end of it but it wouldn't be like oh you're never going to find anyone and you're this and you're, real, you're the issue with the world dah, dah, dah. it would not be like that at all
0: it's it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I, I know it wouldn't be, 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 be like that for me. I've, I feel like I've been in those situations in real life and people cannot keep up because they don't have no time. <laughs> like they don't have no time to like wait to respond or go Google a stat and to try to, you know, make a point. It's like, no, you got to be right here. Like, yep. Exactly. Did you read a book? Did you read an article? Did you, can you come, can you come up with something? Cause I did. Yep. I'm not just yep. like speaking based off of emotion because mm-hmm. also too, if you are to say something that makes me now think about this differently, I might change my mind. But the fact that, right. so that means I'm not sitting here uh, basing my identity Into my opinion. But I think a lot of people believe that if you believe in certain things and make space for certain things, that that says so much about, you know, the person that you are. Um, But what's weird about that is like, all these things can change like all these things can grow and, and progress with more, with more information. And I think a lot of people, that's why they get defensive. Cause it's like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to tell me I ain't woke. You're going to tell me I'm problematic because I feel like it's kind of weird for dudes to wear dresses. And I'm like, I mean, all those things can still be true you could be weird and problematic and all those things. But are you cool with that? Cause that's right. the thing. That's the thing that I always say to people is like, People can have whatever opinions they would like to have, but the problem is, it seems like they're the ones bent out of shape that other people find what they believe to not be okay. And it's like, if you really don't care, and if you really stand in 10 toes on what you believe, because you believe it profoundly, Mm. then then live in it. Be a bigot, be a proud bigot, you know what I'm saying? proud of it you know
1: that's my thing like when you name what it is it's like no it's not that but it's like no but it is that it is that and and like i mean it's so long as you're not harming anybody like you can just say like hey i don't like women i don't like black
0: people
1: that's what it is
0: and we're gonna treat you as such like oh 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 why you don't invite me nowhere you literally said you don't like women bro i'm not about to you think I'm about to? I know a bunch of women in my life. You're not about to come over here with them and round them up for no reason. It's not. It's not gonna go together. I invite you to the next man, uh, woman haters club meeting. Okay, whenever I go, you know, Uh make sure you get the invite. You know, so it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Now there is something that I do on my podcast every now and again. It's a reoccurring segment called the Twitter check in, and I would like to do something very special with you, and that is for this to be my last Twitter check-in. And I want to say it's my last because I'm sick of Twitter. Oh. I, I love it. I've loved it okay. for a long time, but I feel like I need to, you know, re, you know, just repackage this whole segment you know because it's really just my like quick way to kind of capture something with popular culture in the news right. and I'm creative enough to come up with a whole new name and concept right. so right. let me let me usher in what shall be the last Twitter check in let me get my little music going hold on
1: okay here I we go the music. let's go you can you hear that I can't
0: oh I guess it might not be coming through on your end no, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, the Twitter check in for today is actually speaking to the calamity that is these word, kind of these word based apps you know what i'm saying i feel like i didn't make any content specifically about it i've seen you post a few things about the introduction of threads and i believe you, you know you posted something about spill as well uh but i would love to know how do you feel about this like toss up in the war in the social media wars as of today because i was feeling spilled i thought spill was definitely about to you know have his moment and it seems like <laughs> the, the the big brother that is facebook um, was like nope Let's go ahead and run this threads thing That we was going to come out with in the end of the year anyway Go ahead and let that be You know let's activate that and press the button on that How did you feel about that?
1: Um, well I thought What I thought was really funny Is how people were like really waiting for Elon To slip up because I feel like they knew He was going to slip up at some point Then he had the whole what, what, what was it It was like the rate limit tweets or whatever Yeah 600, 600 tweets right immediately spill comes out and i think it was ex twitter employees who made who were creating that yeah and meta had threads which i'm i'm one thousand percent sorry and that threads has been a thing for a while and that they were just waiting they were literally just waiting for elon to mess up because they knew that he would yes um but You know it's tough for me because i'm a twitter girl right i when i watch the bachelorette i go on twitter right to see the reactions when i'm watching love island i go on twitter yeah like twitter is the cultural zeitgeist and i don't know how spill or threads can can usurp that like as, as awful as elon is as a leader of that um company i just think that that twitter has the the decades and years of being the place that we go for word-based messaging yeah and so it's going to take a lot for us to you know to go somewhere else and so like even with spill like i tried i, I spilled like twice
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i got like three threads i'm like this is fun <laughs> got, like, threads in like a few weeks <laughs> so right. it's just like I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm always. I'm open minded. I'm a content creator, so I'm like, if there's a new space where I can share, you know, my thoughts and everything, you know, I'll I'll consider it and check it out.
0: I feel like I, I was very much in the spill. I knew. I know one of the people on the you know development team, um, okay. and um, he went to he went to uh, my alma mater. Uh, he's he's from he's from Atlanta too, and love it, love right it. and like so I was on Spill probably about two weeks before everybody else jumped on. And, um, so. and it was real cool. It was real cool. And I think, you know, it was dope to see what they had going on over there. And I thought it was very much an ambitious undertaking that they was like even attempt what they were attempting to do um and right. then when they had that moment of like being number one surpassing i think that's what made facebook kind of wake up too mm-hmm. uh was because when they passed whatsapp and facebook on the you know top free downloaded apps in the apple store i think that that was like oh so they really doing things like they really are out here getting people to download this app and they, like they sending out these i remember i had like mm-hmm. at least like 30 Uh, little invitation tickets golden tickets for a second like it was for some reason it was just so I was just sending them things out and so I couldn't have been the only one so it was definitely like rapid growth and um, definitely got stepped on by you know by threads and um, unfortunately I think because of the familiarity and them being the best copycatters, like I think Facebook is like they were the you know kind of like leaders in social media and then became the best like mimickers, I guess, you know like of yeah. things and um, and because they have this like quick way to always boast like we got everybody, you know yes, we got everybody. 20% of the, of yeah. the, of the damn world's population is connected or it has some type of connection to Facebook in some way shape or form mm-hmm. of, at least mm-hmm. in terms of the internet working world. Uh, so that's it's crazy. you can't really compete with that amount of people and that mm-hmm. amount of access. Mm-hmm. So I think that Threads has to make a lot of major changes because it doesn't have a, a trending page. It doesn't have a um, any particular aspect that makes it, it distinctively different than Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much like no, we got you can repost, you can mm-hmm. post some pictures, you post a video just <laughs> like Twitter. You know what I'm saying? We are gonna have we got we got verified things still. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Only thing that I thought was peculiar was the fact that they only tell you um, how many people are following you. And not how many yeah. people you're following i thought that was intriguing and i think that that's probably probably the only like edgy new age thing that they're doing um because i know that because like, it's kind of if anything it kind of seems like they're using some type of consumer research to you know to, when it came to that choice but um Spill is very much still in beta i think that's the problem i think that was really yeah. the biggest problem with What's going on is that they were getting a lot of people to come on into the app, which makes sense because you can get more money once you get that, you know, all these particular things, man. But Mm -hmm. overall, I think that Spill has to find their way in having some particular niche. If it just so happens to become like another place where people can genuinely have an insulated Mm -hmm. type of conversation, then they may see some success in that. But um, but that's hard. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hard because culturally, I think black people, we like to make our own things naturally instead of kind of feeling like we kind of forced to in some cases. So it just depends. It depends, but no. So how long have you, how long have you been, um, like producing and creating content?
1: That's an interesting question because I started, I would say April, 2021. Mm -hmm. I don't count that first year. I don't really count any of the stuff I was doing before I would say June 2022 because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had this little cheap... I got this little cheap microphone from Amazon because I thought that's all I needed. I was like, okay, let me give me a little $20 USB microphone. The quality was terrible. I was Mm. like... Making videos like on my phone and stuff, but I didn't know anything about lighting. I di- I literally did not know anything. So when I would post, I'll be getting five views. And yeah. Yes. Like, oh yeah. like, this, yeah. this is gonna be a long road. But I think it was it was a labor of love. So I just kept on gradually, you know, I got my little Roadcaster Pro and then I got my little microphone and I was just like gradually I wasn't growing in terms of like following following, but I was growing in terms of like knowledge and yes. like learning how to create something that actually that looks like something i'm proud to put out right mm-hmm. and then um i took a i took a year of school cuz i got sick but that really i mean it was terrible at the time cuz i was like depressed and sad and like not doing well but it gave me time to to put everything into this craft right I loved it. and so got a job saved up for my first camera i was like all right now that i have this camera i'm going to post every single day now I didn't post every single day but I posted like most days for the most part it was probably like six days of, out of the week that I was posting that's good and then I started yep so I started growing and growing and even like looking back I feel like my growth as a person is intersected with my growth as like a creator and yeah. I can like see like where I was and like how I was viewing things and so it's kind of nice it's almost like a, a diary of sorts into like where I was
0: and you know it, it it's funny my, my uh my therapist is the one who pointed that out to me when he was just like Mm -hmm. he was like how long have you been doing your podcast and I told him he was like damn so it's kind of like you got a a cool like live you know almost like you know visual journal or audio journal almost of your life Mm -hmm. because if you are talking about these personal things and topical things that's happening in the world like you get to see kind of where you were and how you were thinking you can always go back to those things and i was like damn i never really thought about it like that yep. but i guess i do yep. mm-hmm. and so i applaud you for you know sticking with it because i think a lot of people can get uh discouraged in content yep. creation especially in those earliest of times where you know nobody's looking and you're just now trying to like introduce yourself to the mm-hmm. to the digital world in that way and people are like who the hell are you and how can you have an opinion and um right. i think right. the consistency and the quality is what mm-hmm. kind of, you know, cuts you through so yeah. much of the, you know, the BS that's out there for real. Like, mm-hmm. I think that for me, uh, cons- being consistent, but also not knowing that, you know, the way that people are viewing these things isn't like, I, I shouldn't take it so personal. Like, mm-hmm. you really can't take this thing personal because so much of it is like beyond our control. Like, mm-hmm. the algorithm is beyond our control. We can't Completely. really, we could do as many little Tips, tricks, and and you know, and get some little widgets and things, mm-hmm. and, and and go to this site and get this hashtag generator, and da 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 da. And I've tried. I think I've like for all like almost everybody that I think I've consulted on social media for any for anything, I always tell them like, let go of all of what anybody has ever told you about this because it's right. gonna stress you out, mm-hmm. and because people see social media as something that you have to like kind of crack and win in a way. Yeah. And if they, and that's the point, it's like, if you gamify this, it makes you even more addicted to it. And Mm -hmm. so I always try to like get people to detach themselves from it because at the end of the day, you're not going to be even producing the thing or promoting your brand or doing whatever you need to be doing doing whatever you need to be doing. Um, if that's the case.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so I think
1: even, oh, sorry.
0: No, 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 go ahead.
1: I think for me, like you talked about like the opinions that people have and i remember probably like late last year i started aggressively addressing like their passport bros and i i don't want to say i regret it cuz i'm glad that i you know i was I, I'm not gonna say I was like putting people in their place type thing but I was just sort of saying what it is naming, naming the misogyny naming the patriarchy naming the things that are making people you know travel to third world and developing countries and trying to exploit the women and and girls who are there um but that was the first time I really started receiving like per like truly personal backlash where people were like making response videos about me telling me that i'm nothing telling me that i'm this i'm that. i was like you know i used to think it was a weakness like turning your comments off on certain posts but i was like i can't do this like this is crazy like, <laughs> i was like i gotta turn my comments off right and i gotta take like i literally had to take a couple of days because i was like like the, the influx that i was getting was so i was so confused because like some of the posts would be like from like three or four weeks ago mm-hmm. and then i would get like i would wake up with like 99 comments i'm like why are y'all commenting on this post? Like you said, the algorithm is completely out of our control. I don't know when somebody's going to see this video. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, oof, I had to learn. I learned my lesson that day. Not that I wouldn't do things the same way, but just knowing how things work and knowing that these things are not out of my control and how people are perceiving me isn't in my control.
0: Right. And and, and I think that for me, I'm I'm big on, you know, on the perception of things and what it is I can control too. And I think for me, it's kind of like I, if I just keep finding the people who are my peoples and, you know, folks who want to continue to have really dope conversations and and add to something that's productive, then I'm going to be fine. That's all that really mm-hmm. matters. Like, so right. bring on all the naysayers and the folks who are gonna hate or point out certain things because because you're just not saying something that's either, you know, palatable to them. And the crazy mm-hmm. part about it is in so many cases, I'm for them to a degree like I'm like what I'm saying could be to their benefit if they open their Mm -hmm. minds up Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of the some of the content I've made is not only just in the realm of like culture, but also in a, in a relationship, a interpersonal context and judging yeah. how we treat each other, you know, within the black community, you know, mm-hmm. just as people in general. And like, I think that those always, to me, get the most, I uh, get the most backlash from those things. Mm-hmm. My, for like political views and my views on culture, it, it just, it's a debate of, debate of the minds. But I think anytime I say like, men should show up this way or, you know, and, and, and this, I noticed that this is a thing that women do and this is, contributes to why men keep showing up this way and it's always a thing it's like nah, you can't bring us into it it's like but it's 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 i'm, I'm really expanding this thing out like right like we, we, trust me we all are we all are sitting here getting on the ride of patriarchy every day and gotta find a way to mm-hmm. get off of it so it's not right. something that i'm trying to point blame at or whatever whatever and are you really hearing what i'm saying you know yeah. did i say like it's women's fault. Why this, this, is that, and the third? Or that is that what you you know heard this come out to be? And I think mm-hmm. that you know that's kind of what happens all the time on the internet. It's like people kind of cherry pick the pieces out, find those buzzwords, and then try to re, you know regurgitate what you're saying in the comments by being like, "See, you sound like you hate men. See, you sound <laughs> like you hate this. So you sound like one of them. Right. One of them. Uh, you know, people who just How placating into uh, an, uh what is it um." What's the uh, pandering? You uh, know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, you just yeah. pandering or something like that. And I think for me, I, I'm I'm for people being able to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's so weird to me that there is a, a concerted effort, a whole genre of <laughs> of content, even that's dedicated to like blaming women for things and like mm-hmm. blaming everybody, you know, else for things. Right. And I think right. that these spaces like the Manosphere and the Red Pills and the, and these Passport Bros and all these different things, like, it would be so much more constructive if these men were actually doing the work and not mm-hmm. kind of finding these, like, ways to escape. The Red pill niggas are out here just working out and telling everybody that you can get any <laughs> any woman that you want and they're they gonna, they gonna mm-hmm. listen to you if you're an alpha male. The Manosphere niggas are over here giving you all these statistics on why some random, you know, single, single mother is the reason for your misfortune. And then you right. got these password bros was like, fuck them all. Let's go get a Isabella <laughs> in Colombia and live your best life. You know what I'm saying? Right. $20. Right. It's right. weird. It's all strange. And none of it has anything to do with them. Like none of it, it's all these things, either them trying to interact with other people to, to satisfy their egos, blame other people to satisfy their egos, or just find some type of other escape to mm-hmm. and, 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 and then generalize that that's this is something that every man can do. And it's just so, it's so crazy to me, but you know, that's my soapbox, but to keep going, I would love to. Cause as I said in the introduction, you, you, you attend a Ivy league. And I think that it's so intriguing and I can imagine that, you know, Especially when you first started, you know, when you probably first started school, probably everybody probably had shit. Probably when you got the damn uh, acceptance letter, probably a lot of folks just like, "Oh, damn! Look at oh shit! All right, okay, okay." <laughs> tell me what what was those first reactions? Because um, I'm not sure if you know if you you know if anybody else in your family uh, was Ivy, but tell us about those first reactions from people. You know, either they always assumed it, did they expect it? Did you know? Tell us about kind of how that was.
1: So, um, I'm the first person in my family to go to an Ivy league school. Um, and so I don't want to say like the Ivy league was always where I was trying to go, but um my goal was to play basketball at stanford that was my dream mm. school i had spent a lot of time in that like bay area silicon valley area that's where i spent the majority of like my childhood yeah um and so i'm like I'm, i went to school walking distance from stanford right Dang. So, yeah so like that's where i wanted to go to school i i grew up going to neka gumake and today gumake's games. so like you know pretty much like I was obsessed with Stanford. right? I see. I see. That's dope, though. Right. So, like, I knew to play basketball at Stanford, I had to be an excellent athlete and I had to be an excellent student. So, the four years of high school, that was what I was committed to. Um, Didn't have much of a social life. Didn't care to have one. Didn't feel like I was missing out on anything because, like, I knew. I was like, I want to play at Stanford. Yeah. but that didn't happen. I think on the academic side, I was fine. On the athletic side, I was undersized. I'm 5'8", but I play shooting guard, combo guard, but mostly shooting guard. Yeah. Um. So th- those girls are six feet tall. They've got longer legs than me. Um. So I'm not going to be able to guard them, and I'm not going to be strong enough. <laughs> and I didn't put in enough effort, I feel like into like my body specifically, like my, from a skill set perspective, I had it all, but from like, you know, just like athleticism and things of that nature, mean. I just didn't understand my body yet. I didn't understand what it meant to be like agile and mobility and yeah. stretching all these like little, like these really, really small details that make the difference. I wasn't doing those things, um, but I was good enough to play like mid-major. Right. So um, junior year, uh, one of the assistant coaches at Brown follows me on, on Twitter, but that's really normal. Like, you're just going to have coaches following you just to, like, basically stalk your page, see what you're about, that kind of thing. I didn't think anything of it. Um, I got invited to this All-Star game in Dalton, Georgia. I don't know if you know where it is, but it's, like... I've heard of it's Dalton. Like the, it's, like, right next to Tennessee, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I had a really good game. I had, like, 13 points in 16 minutes. I shot this... I took this crazy, like, near half-court... One of those, like, Curry-type bombs. Yeah! Uh, yeah so we, me and my dad were walking out of the gym and the head coach of Brown at the time, she like, she like, rock, like runs up to me. She has like her bags and stuff. She was like on the way to the airport and she was like, I loved your game. What's your GPA? I said, I have like a 3.9. She was like, oh, perfect.
0: So I like, here's my phone
1: perfect. She was like, here's my phone number. Uh, call me tomorrow. So then I call her the next day and I get my offer to go to Brown.
0: Damn. Like that? Yeah.
1: Yes, like that.
0: Damn. That's smooth. Ooh. That's smooth. Yes. So, So had you ever been to Rhode Island prior to you going to Brown? Nope. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I nope. knew I already kinda knew the answer to that question, but I ain't wanna assume. You know what I'm saying? You know, who knows? They might got good chicken or something. Who knows? They might have some good good like good fried shrimp or something in, in Rhode Island. I don't know. A good a good no, a good, I, I a good attraction mean. of some sort. I don't know. I don't know what people go to Rhode Island for. And that's right. and that, that's such a weird thing. I'll be thinking about that when I think about places that I haven't been. It's like I don't even mm-hmm. know if I don't even know what y'all are known for for food. I'm right. not too quick to go because like, I don't i do not know. What is Rhode
1: Island known for? Probably like, I would say like oysters or something. Okay.
0: Now so oysters are- stuff
1: like, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like seafood, you know what I'm saying? Because it is the ocean state. So like seafood stuff, I would say, but I've never had oysters in Rhode Island. Okay. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I feel like, I'm not going to lie, like where I'm at in Providence, I feel like I'm not even really in Rhode Island. I feel like I'm just a part of Massachusetts. It's oh, like, okay. We just call it Rhode Island, but like it's pretty much- it's like a ten minute drive from from Massachusetts, oh, okay, that okay,
0: so y'all not so like, is it very much kind of like a is it a lot of water around it? like you got a lot of waterways or is it kind of where you are it's kind of close to the land, so it's not really, you know, like that.
1: You're close. I feel like you're close to the water, but you're still like maybe like a 20 ish minute drive away from like a beach. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel like I'm on the ocean or on the water, but like you really are very close to like the edge of the country. Like you're really on the coast. And it snows? I don't feel that way. It does. does
0: An island that snow is so weird.
1: It gets cold up there. And it's weird because there's mad Caribbeans and Africans and stuff there. And I'm like, why, how is it that people from like, you know, very tropical areas end up, how do you, how do you end up in Rhode Island and why, why'd you stay?
0: Why do you stay? Like, why do you stay? That's my question. Why do you stay? I, 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 you know, I I spent a long time in Chicago where I went through them winters. And it's funny how, like, as soon as I moved there, everybody was like, I think Chicago might have some of the, the worst winters. And I was like, oh, really? That's how we doing it? Like, so we just gonna turn up the cold <laughs> in a place where one of many other places that's, you know, one of so many other places that's cold. Now I get the coldest winters ever. Like, had to survive the the polar vortex. I don't know how Jussie was oh, no. out there. I don't know how Jussie was out there oh, getting no. Subway sandwiches. Because it was like I remember that I remember that year. I remember mm. that weekend. I remember all of that. I remember that day. It was like February right. like third or second or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being so embarrassed because they was like, Chicago's temperature's gonna drop colder than Alaska today. I'm like, we gotta oh, get no. this together. Like, how is this happening? Like it feels I feel like I'm getting punished for like my lack of winter in my lifetime. Oh, like right. in Tennessee, it's similar to, you know, to Georgia. Like, mm-hmm. we, we might get a little bit of snow, but for the most right. part, winter might last maybe a cool, really, two months, something like mm-hmm. that. By February, it's starting to warm up again, you know? Right. It's right. cool, right. you know?
1: As it should. As, As it, should. it should.
0: As it should. Because what do you need? Why do you need nine months of winter? Why do you need?
1: <laughs> it literally does not make that. You cause don't, cause don't need you- that. The, it was, there was a weekend where it was, like, negative. It got to, like, negative 10. And I had a job interview that day, so I had to be a little bit outside or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why Why did I do this to myself? Oof. Like, why am I doing Like, why am I outside? Like, like it was so cold. My face, my, it was so cold. My face hurt. Oof. My face was in pain. I was like, I can't.
0: I can't. I hate it. I hate it. So la- last question about Brown and uh, I guess the Ivy of it all. Uh, because something j- just happened with, uh, with just, you know, because of the Ivy Leagues with the, with the you mm-hmm. know, the changing up of affirmative action and everything mm-hmm. they came from, yeah. you know, a group of um, I'm not sure if they all went to Harvard or if it was like a kind of an assortment of Asian students who went to particular Ivies who uh, came together to, to push this suit. Um, but uh, Supreme Court basically, you know, brought down the idea of, you know, affirmative action being a part of, you know, admissions in, uh, I think in just all collegiate spaces, not even just for Ivy Leagues, right? Yeah, um, it's everywhere now. And so I remember when it first came out, I want to say it had to be. It was a minute ago. they have been working on this for a while. And yeah, I remember— We knew
1: it was going to happen. We kind of—it was like we knew what was, what was about to go down.
0: Really? It, it, it was so strange to me because I couldn't really understand the, like— It was very much like how we in this you know like how we like how how did how did like black people become the like reasons for the the you know the the i guess the the non-acceptance or the the, you know Mm -hmm. frequency of non-acceptance for so many asian students but in my mind it's like okay well if only a certain amount of black students are even coming to these schools can even are even qualified even to even come to these schools. Mm -hmm. So that means that the ones that are coming really more than likely deserve to be there. Uh so it's not this charity thing, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I don't think I've ever met anybody that I ever have known to go to any Ivy League or even almost Ivy. That were dumb, slow, or ill equipped Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form, from professors to college, you know, to my own college colleagues. So it's kind of strange to me, but to know that, like, there's this, you know, uh, particular culture of, like, academic excellence that comes with a lot of different Asian cultures. So I can Mm -hmm. imagine there being an overload for them. It's like, no, why would you go to, you know, U of M when you can just go to Harvard, when you can just go to, you know, for engineering or whatever, whatever. So I can imagine there being, like, an overload of like, you know, of the things. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that there is uh that and I, I don't want to force your, you know, answer on this, that there was some type of co-opt opinions on this? Cause I, I know that like there was like white groups that kind of got a part in supporting um mm-hmm. these, you know, these a this group of Asian students who was pushing this suit. Do you think that they mm-hmm. got in their ear and was like, look, it was it was the niggas who was it's really they the ones. They the <laughs> ones taking y'all's spot for real. You know, like, do you think it was them kind of co-opting their uh, whatever their fight is or whatever their it grievance was to kind of you know really push this to the to the you know to the top of all courts
1: um yes i think so there actually is this guy i cannot remember his name but he ran for office he's a lawyer he ran for office in north carolina i believe like maybe in the 90s or something Mm. um he lost and he blamed he he felt like the way the districting happened was like Racist, and he thought that there was like affirmative action involved. I don't know how, really? but that's what he felt like. That's what he felt like happened. I I do believe he is the person who started the group, like the Fair missions or mm. whatever, because his lifelong journey is basically to end affirmative action. That's what his his goal has been. Um, and so, I, I, what I will say is. I think for like the younger Asian students who just want to go to Harvard, they just want to make their parents happy. They yeah. just want to get in somewhere. I fe- I do feel for them yeah. Um, because that's it. They just, they, they did so much in school. They spent their entire lives not socializing, not doing anything besides study, 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 you know, be good enough to get into Harvard and they don't get chosen and that sucks, right? And in this vulnerable state, um, you're easily manipulated yeah. into thinking that oh, but this black kid who who I got a fifteen hundred and, and they got a fourteen fifty, like th- that's lower than mine. I, I had a four point five, they had a four point three, like yeah. whatever, whatever. But it starts to become like this, like numbers crunching thing, yeah. whatever, whatever. And and that I feel like in that state of anger and also feeling like you're supposed to be the model minority, like yeah. that concept being present, it's really easy for some. For, for a white person to just be like, oh, it's the Blacks' fault. Like, why are they on campus? You should be on campus. You need to fight for this. If they take away affirmative action, it'll be fair. And, and you guys are the best. You're the best students. So they're going to let you in when that's not what admissions is about. It's not about being the best student. It's honestly about, do you fit on the campus? Um, do you have parents, siblings, cousins, grandparents who've been here? Can mm. you pay? That's mm. what's really important. And then we'll let a couple Blacks in. We'll let, like, because Brown is like, what, 4% of the population is black? So we're not taking that many spots. Right? We're we're not taking that many spots. I know pretty much every black person. I know their faces. I know all their faces. So we don't, there's not a lot of spots for us. Like, let's be honest.
0: What's the blackest Ivy? Like, who has the blackest, who has the largest blackest population? I wonder. I don't know. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up. That's a good question. Because in my mind, it's like. I
1: feel like it was us as some, I don't know why, but I just felt like
0: that's 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 kind of ironic if brown is the <laughs> if brown is I know, the i
1: think i think my class i was supposed to be class of 2023 the class had just graduated yeah so i feel like i feel like our when we were admitted because it just felt like it was a lot of us like we were really uh, overpowering yeah that campus i don't know if maybe it's just like our personalities just happened to be very like distinct or yeah. maybe i just knew a lot more people in the class but i feel like during that time i don't know if it is the same now um, but I feel like we may have been the blackest
0: Ivy. Damn. I mean, I mean. I don't know. That's t- just my, that's
1: my personal opinion. could but be. I'm going like to like look that up. pride a, thing or something. Yeah, no, I'm going
0: to look that up because the reason why I say that is because for everybody listening, the the context of, you know, for anybody who really doesn't understand how these, what affirmative, a system of affirmative action, those policies and what that created for so many, not even just at Ivy Leagues, but also at A lot of different, you know, you know, institutions, private and public created these, you know, very public quotas to a certain Mm -hmm. degree where they kind of, you know, they kind of got to a certain point and they just managed that thing. So if you go to a state school where, let's say, 20 percent, let's say between 15 to 20 percent of the population is is black. They kinda try to keep that maintained. They don't really try right. to go too far past it or too far under that. They just kinda mm-hmm. try to stay in that range. Let's say when it comes to the Asian population, uh there's, you know, let's say between, you know, eighteen to twenty two. They'll try to keep it right there, you know? Right. And right. then the 30 to 40% of white students they like very much are kind of you know, maintaining that They ain't mm-hmm. letting up on that one either and that's what makes yes. it all kind of stay in a particular balanced way and keeps it to be a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. Um, even though everybody always loves to point out, you know, I, lo- I always hear people from like, who go to state schools always point out like, no, it's, I feel like it's nothing but Asians in my school and so on and so forth. And it's like, you look at the numbers, it's not. Like, yeah, that you not. might see a lot of them, <laughs> maybe because mm-hmm. they are like the ones living on campus or the ones who are just forever around and in, in the libraries and kind of occupying the public spaces. But the reality of the situation is they just, they're just studious, they're just around, they're right. just in school. Right. and. right. To, and- Oh, to, sorry. I was to, gonna say, to yeah. th- I
1: think the actual, because I feel like people think affirmative action is like the quota. Because technically, the quotas are have been illegal since I think the '70s, like okay. having to like match. The amount of like black people Like the percentage of black people in the country To the percentage yeah. of black people at your institution That is not legal anymore But I do believe what affirmative action does do Is it's a plus factor right So yeah. the fact that you're black is a plus factor Now you no longer have that and So it's still as an Asian student Like you being an Asian student is a plus factor But now you don't have that So, and, and other plus factors exist for other things, right? Like how much money your parents donate. That's a plus. That's literally something that they consider. That's a plus factor. Whether or not your parent went to that school or went to that institution, that is a plus factor, but now race can't be. Yeah. I think, you know, I I think that's like an interesting conver. It's an interesting conversation. And then again, when you're talking about how like there aren't really like the number of Asian students, like on a campus, like you might think that there's a lot of them, but like you said, I think we're so used or common to being in like these spaces that are, overwhelmingly white yes we're used to being in spaces where it's like not not just 40 or 50 we used to like 60 70 80 90 sometimes 99 right yeah and so then when you're in a space where there's like maybe 20 percent of the population is Asian you're like wow there's so many Asian students yeah are there or are we they just used to being in like these really really white spaces
0: that's really it and I think it's so interesting that you know even when it when it comes to this scenario and honestly just objectively throughout politics that There's always different minority groups that allow for some white, you know, you know, uh, some white group or white person or individual to come in and kind of (coughs) help direct Mm -hmm. the things. And it's so weird Mm -hmm. to me because it's like, is this person, you got to really check on this person. Are they really coming here for you or are they not, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's a strange thing. Would you say that... um, moving forward, that this is gonna like positively impact them in any way? Or is are they, or are they gonna see actually like a fall off? And like, cause I, cause I know that they always say that affirmative action benefited like white women more than any other demographic. Yeah. So with the removal of it, who do, what do you think the outcome will be?
1: I think all people who are part of minority groups will be affected to a degree. Um, I think it's, it'll be, in the beginning, I think things will probably remain kind of like the same, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But I, what I do think, I don't want to say I like this, but the thing that's going to be nice is to no longer hear the complaints you know what I'm saying? Like those complaints that you previously had about losing your spot to a black student, they're not going to apply. And Mm. I know how, I know how the right can be, right? They find a way to just manipulate reality and they'll probably try to accuse the schools of continuing affirmative action illegally or some nonsense, but it's just not legal anymore. So, um, if you really want it to be fair, if you really believe there's a meritocracy, you will see that there is, they'll see that there isn't a meritocracy. And, I do believe that the schools will—they'll get to bring who they who they want to bring in now, mm. and that's white legacy students. Yeah, there will be a lot more of them. I know for a fact that a lot of schools did reject legacy students because I know I went to school—I went to private school, so I went to plenty. I know plenty of kids whose parents went to Duke, Stanford. They had decent grades, didn't get in, and they were like shocked. Mm.
0: They're like,
1: how could I not get in? Now there's space for them.
0: Oh yeah, they about to yeah they about to run it up.
1: Oh, for sure. Running up with, sure. without having to
0: drop the check. It's like, oh, no, we're going to go ahead and let them in. We'll go ahead and, you know, go ahead and let them in. Right oh, your, right. oh, your dad was here in 78? Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Right.
1: And they won't have to, like, a lot of these kids who were cheating, you know, like the little scams or whatever. Yeah. They don't need to do that anymore. Oh, for sure. They don't need to do that anymore. The price, price just went down for them, and it just went way up for us.
0: I hate that. I hate that, because... I know that it's, you know, been a lot of people to, you know, really change their situations by being able to just get that, get that, you know, seal, that head, that letterhead of sorts. Mm-hmm. So that just the association to, you know, these particular institutions and it's really been able to elevate them and put them in spaces and places they want to be. Because to be quite honest, I don't think I know anybody that went to any Ivy that didn't also have some very like professional ass like, uh, you know, Um, Aspirations You know what I'm saying From either doctors Lawyers or Certain Mm -hmm. type of Business peoples Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of like Yeah Do your thing You know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Um, Do what makes sense And going And being a person Who went to an HBCU I understand when you have a very particular reason as to why you're choosing an institution for a very, very specific outcome and a very yeah. specific like experience within that outcome, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I support it. You know, I hope yeah. I hope that people I, I did see that that was a thing, though. That a lot of people were saying, you know, like people were talking about, like now they're gonna, you know, there's gonna be more attendance to to HBCUs since they're gonna start, you know, like there's more than likely gonna be some type of backlash and discrimination Mm -hmm. happening, which I find funny how HBCUs always find themselves back into every single conversation every time, which to me I don't like that. It makes us feel like we like the big like Plan B for people or something, and that's not okay. You know, like. It's cool. You chose what you chose. It doesn't mean like you can't come. But like, don't frame it in that way of like, all right, since the state schools are racist and are in these hick towns, and now mm-hmm. the Ivies are gonna be discriminating and don't care about us. I guess we should just go to HBCUs. It's like, come on now. Like, let's not. That's let's that's not, not the be thing that. Thing
1: is- HBCUs cannot accommodate every prospective Black college student. There's not enough of them. There's no—I don't believe there's even any HBCUs on the West Coast, right? No, so there if isn't. Somebody who's from California, a Black person from California, wants to stay in California. What are they supposed to do? You yeah, know what I'm saying like have to move. every black boy can't go to Morehouse. And they should right? or Howard. Yeah, right? they should. There's yeah. not enough, and I mean to be quite frank, right? When if there is an influx of students at these institutions, do they have the infrastructure to? Have all these students in there at their school? Right? Can they house that many students? There's so many things that you have to coordinate. For sure. And I feel like people just thinking, oh, people will go to HBCUs now. There's plenty of people at HBCUs right now. Like HBCUs are educating tons of Black people right now. Yes. Do they have the ability to educate even more. Like that takes a, it takes a lot. And, and my thing is, are you going to fund this? And I think are that that's pay for the buildings.
0: That's really what it boils down to is like, let's not let's not sit here and say all these like things of like we just need to start going over here and going over there when there's like historically been you know for you know a a concerted effort to not only internally like there are Mm -hmm. people who have just been bad you know administrators a part of these institutions who have schemed and plotted and stole money and all Mm -hmm. different types of things it's really terrible And, uh, and you know but then also too there's a lot of you know hbcus that are you know, taking federal money that are doing, you know, that are, you know, allowing and accepting state funding and have been underfunded and under, you know, kind of, you know, supported right. by so many different, you know, municipalities. So it's kind of like, we got to correct things for this to be a real true viable place for the masses of black people to be able to come to. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, from that context, if you correct those things and you give these people the exact, you know, some, some true equity, uh, yes. some real equity in terms of like what they can actually produce because through the skin of their teeth, you know, HBCUs are still, you know, the leaders in, you know, producing, you know, people within the medical profession, people within, you know, mm-hmm. so many various different, you know, industries, but that's really just because based off the sheer numbers of people and, the, and right. the qualities that so many of these institutions have leaned into because they've mm-hmm. continued to produce, uh, you know, programs that make sense for that thing. But right. in terms of variety, In terms of so many things, they've been they've had to like pace themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't like if you sit here thinking that you're going to Morehouse College and about to go and major in something really you know cool and dope, you probably ain't. It's a college. It's limited, <laughs> mm. it's, and it's mad traditional too. And I think that that's the part that a lot of people from, um, from all over get a culture shock on. It's not even just about being in a homogenous setting, but it's also to be in a homogenous setting in the South where there are a bunch of boomers, black boomers, telling mm-hmm. you that you need to put this suit on and pull your pants up and you right. know cover these tattoos up. Those right. are issues that everybody else don't really ever have to deal with. You know what i'm saying those very insulated things those are things Mm -hmm. that we really have to you know see in a lot of other spaces and places because you're dealing with other things it's just all about your race then. but when it's a homogenous setting then we start to get into the like real underlying things that black people kind of go through from the you know the gaps in generational things to all those Mm -hmm. different things so the the you know the sexism all those various things that kind of happen Mm -hmm. there so it's a lot of issues and we great segue into what we can kind of end on is what are I have a question for you. And that is, what are black people's politics really, you know? And I think, you know, I've seen, you know, a few a few of your posts about, you know, kind of commenting on various, you know, current events that have occurred. And I think that right now I would say that a lot of people are so surprised when they realize how conservative so many black people are. Mm-hmm would you say that you know that there is this kind of you know loose identity of like the objective black consciousness i guess in terms of politics because to me i think that it's not i think it's very similar but it's also very disjointed at the same time like people have like a hodgepodge of things like you might be conservative in these ways and liberal in these ways it's really not all just one thing because we happen to be African-Americans or just African immigrants or whatever it is, uh, just black people in in general. What would you say is the real politics of black people in an objective sense?
1: It's hard to say, like, what is the real politics of black people? Because, like, I think in a way we're forced to be a monolith in terms of in terms of policy because we don't have a choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having this conversation back and forth with some of my mutuals on on TikTok. And there's a lot of like, we need to vote third party. We need to vote for Cornell. We can vote for Cornell and in the next four years, we might not be able to vote again. So like, we we don't have like the choice to like express ourselves and our true desires. Facts. politically, Right. But it does come out. In, in certain ways like socially. Um, and so I would say you have some people like you have the Dr. Umar's, right, who are these white supremacist revolutionaries. Yeah. Right. They there's they want to be they want to create some sort of revolution, but they hate gay people. Thanks. So what are you? You know what I'm saying? Like you've got leftists, you've got people who are like fully, fully leftist, but refuse to educate other Black people. Right? The minute yeah. they hear something that sounds remotely nationalist, they are calling people. You know, I don't want to say the c word. I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on here, but you know, I was on a live the other day where this woman, she was Caribbean, Caribbean sister. She was like, you know, I actually like America. Like it's giving me, you know, a lot of opportunities. They call her a coon immediately. I'm like, dang. Hey. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, I think black people, when it comes to our politics, there it's such a diverse range, and I think yeah. other groups of people, I think it's similar with other minority groups, but it, it, but we're the only group I feel like that truly like votes the same way because Very we much. don't have a choice. Yes,
0: and and I, and, I, and I hate that for us because to me, I feel like you know, I, I I literally just met a um a podcast producer a few weeks ago, and she uh produced a podcast that's about local politics in, here in Georgia, and um, and I think that what's so interesting is I told her, I was like, how hard has it been to kind of, you know, get new listeners and get people involved in some of the programming that y'all are doing? And she was like, it's hard. It's hard as hell. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like, but do you understand kind of why people feel these ways? And she was like, I think I do. I would love to hear why, you, you know, what, what you think. And I told her, I was like, at this point, we've gotten to a point in history where Black people have gotten every, almost every version of everything. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I like, like, like my, like my generation alone. Like I love, like when people give a overall retrospective of how many, tragedies and how many crazy things we've seen all in our singular lifetime, it's so crazy to kind of put it into context because it's like damn, like we really did see, you know, a war we really did see us getting attacked we really did see a, a global pandemic we really did see a, a, a you know, a national recession and mm-hmm. so on and so on and so forth like we kept seeing these things, a black president, you know, of mm-hmm. a, a black you know, a black female uh, vice president, it keeps like, we keep getting these very unprecedented things to happen and it's like you would want for these things to be seen as progressive movements to a better life but they really aren't though it's still mm-hmm. we like are we our generation and every generation after hours is giving we're not going to even be able to afford a home not going to even be able to afford a big mac in a mini and it's Ooh. like or even be able to you know do anything so it's kind of like yeah yeah People are opting out of college. That's what's gonna be interesting. Like we've just talked about college. There's a lot of people a lot of people in, you know, graduating seniors in high school who are like, I'm not even going. I'm about to try to figure it out on this social media. I'm about to become an entrepreneur or I'm about to go to work. I'm about to get a CDL. I'm about to go do this. I'm about to get a certification. I'm about to do a crash course or YouTube University and figure out something (laughs) else. Because why would I? I, Y'all are literally always talking about this debt. Y'all are talking about the things that you got to deal with as adults. And it sounds like adulting is hard as shit. Sounds like I need to create the best case scenario for myself. And that's not Mm -hmm. signing my name on a dotted line and being kind of immediately thrown into the throes of like deep, you know, debt and credit and all these other things. So we in a weird ass place because we are. It's like, how do we say how do we, you know, support? ourselves and support the things if the people that we are putting into these positions because they need us quote unquote every damn four years and two years for for the you know for the in between uh local elections to win these things but yet we have yet to even get a particular thing that you know objectively helps us and helps and it's not i'm not even an oh no on no like a grandstanding of like, we need just solely black policies. I think that there are certain things that statistically, if they affect black people the most, then that is what it is. Like, right. don't try to wrap it up into be something that's gonna, yes, it, it, not because black people, black women, and, and, and so many other people who happen to have black as an identity are at the bottom of the totem pole. If you help them, it will all it will definitely like trickle up to anybody that have a, has a similar scenario from from the uh, you know, our brown brothers and sisters and all these various things. So, yeah. Just say what it is. Like yeah. <laughs> just let it be yeah. what it is. It's a, if mm-hmm. the stats are showing that the majority of people who still are on welfare are still kind of dealing with these particular things and are also not having any right, true, you know, advantage in kind of getting out of that system. Yeah, we need to do a little bit more. Some more needs to happen. And I think that for me, I hate that, you know, politics is something that we even have to even deal with because the power I feel like politics is always kind of ousted blackness in various, yeah. you know, various ways and um, has done it in a very covert ways with, you know, by manipulating economics. So it's like it's hard for me. Anytime I see people get extremely, extremely, you know, attached to certain things, because I, and, or just swinging to either side, like I always be like, why are you this damn devout to to this nigga Joe? And how in the hell can you find any good any good thing about this motherfucking orange motherfucker either? Like, how are you? Like, what are you? Like, I think you're getting caught up in the the game. You're getting caught up in yeah. the in the theater of it all. Like, mm. as you like, because it's like, man, people was making money, and people was doing this, and people was doing that. It was like so much of that had nothing to do with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also so much so many bad things still did happen, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think to to like try to make him into this like character as if he wasn't in the position he was in is so strange to me. But mm-hmm. I truly believe that we're at a point now, we're at a standstill of, you know, something has to give. I would love if we just, you know, scrap all this shit. And start right. fresh, <laughs> to be quite honest. That would be nice. That would be nice. I thought that I the, I, I thought the pandemic was going to give that. And seeing right now the calamity that's happening in various industries, like not only just the movie industry, but also there's several different, uh, you know, kind of strikes and unions mm-hmm. kind of, you know, pushing back on the people who have these things. And there's various industries kind of not in good spaces from corporate real estate. It's, people are still not going back to their offices. It's a bunch of empty-ass buildings still, and that's affecting the market in in various different ways. Uh, So to me, it's like, it's cracking. It's cracking. Let this motherfucker break and, like, let us do something else. And I think only black people kind of are okay with that because it's like we really never lived in in an environment where it was just for us anyway or for us in any particular way. We kind of just had to deal with it and just keep making lemonade, you know?
1: Right, right. And I feel like I want to address something you said earlier about, like, if we were to actually make policies yeah. and address the issues that black people face, that there's a trickle up. It, it wouldn't even be a trickle. Like, everybody would be good. If, everybody. if we fix what's happening with black people, everybody's going to be fine. But it is how, and I think this is what this is what really gets me about capitalism, right, and how capitalism is white supremacy, is that Big they white. have found a way to make, to 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 scapegoat us and yeah. to create like this innate hatred for black people, yeah. that they are white people who literally are sabotaging themselves in supporting conservatives. They yeah. are sa- they are willing to suffer so that we suffer too, yeah. right? And that's the thing, like if you were to make a black policy, they'd be like, no, absolutely not. And it's like, babes, you're on welfare. You are. You don't have an EBD card. You, you don't do. live well. You need this too. But it's like the fact that it would help black people, it hurts them to see us potentially do okay and i think that's like the really crazy part but the other thing is the empire the global empire that is america is going to fall like yeah. we're at that point where it's been a couple centuries it's been a couple of centuries and you can you can kind of just see it happening yeah. you, you see like the i think it's BRICS. So it's like brazil russia india china Um, In South Africa, they've they're creating their own G7 of sorts, and so you see the other powers making their own sort of imperial. They're not even using our money
0: anymore for exchange for trade, and I'm like, oh.
1: (laughs) So we're so the the America as a country, like we're we're on the we're we're literally on the decline, and we're just watching it happen. We're watching our domestic politics, like we're we're literally watching fascism before our, our very eyes. Very eyes. And so it's only a moment of time, a moment of time before there's a another global superpower. But I think, and this is like the Pan-Africanist in me that knows that the only way for Black people to be okay is if... Our homeland, Africa. If they can find a way to consolidate their natural resources, that's it. Facts. If they can find a way to make people pay, you want you want the copper, you want the gold, you want the oil, you want this and that. You need to pay for it. But then again, that's a whole that's a whole another discussion. Yeah, but that's really what. And that would that Africa would that would that
0: would change the world.
1: It would. And that's what our the quality of our existence really depends on that continent. And I know that some people who are like, I'm, you know, I'm American. I'm a foundational black American. I don't know, duh, 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 duh. It's like that affects you. How you get treated is how they get treated. Facts. From that's how it's been since 16, 1601 Right. Since they put they put black people on ships. How how they get treated is how you get treated. So I think that like I would say if people want to focus on something, it's focusing on that. It's finding ways to how do you as an American with your dollar that is worth something right now, how do you support Africa? How do you you know what I'm saying? How do we navigate that? How do we create uh, how do we create like an environment where black people globally are finding a way to to get some power? You know, what I, what I'm saying? I think I think worrying about what's going on in America is is done for. They out here changing history books. We already know what they're trying to do right now. They're yes. trying to go back. They're trying to go back slowly, but surely. So how can we find a way to ensure for later generations? Cause it probably won't affect us. It's going to be people like, you know, two, three generations from now who have to deal yeah. with the fallout of what happens here. If the earth even makes it that far, man, the
0: the because they really the running, years. they really running it up. They really running it they up are. in every single type of way. And it's the worst thing ever, but <sighs> I swear. I swear, I can talk to you for, for so long, and right. you giving you've given me so much, <laughs> you've given me so much, and would love to have you back, uh, have you back on too, to keep our, to keep on chatting, and to be quite honest, it feels like, you know, we need, I want, and I really, really encourage people who want to, you know, dive into, you know, content creation, that you know, to just do it. Yeah. stop you know stop putting stop putting it off to just do it you know cuz i believe that for you know the fact that the journey for you has been one that you still enjoy and still like to do and still find some sense of outlet cuz for me that's what it was for me you know what i'm saying it, right. it truly i feel like it, you know starting the podcast saved my mind and sanity truly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because Savior, i was Savior. i was you know all over the place when i started this you know i, I didn't have a job i was fresh out of school you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying i was in a new relationship i was feeling very Very much like it was the worst you know and to know that I had this outlet to be able to you know look at the world and look at what's around me and be able to create things to express myself it helps it helps Mm -hmm. so much and um, especially when you find your voice and find where where you're unique in the space Mm -hmm. it makes a complete difference to everything but let me ask you can send it on and my send it on portion is my call to action and what I would love for you to do is let everybody know how they can support you.
1: I mean, just, you know, follow me on the gram, Sydney Rosant, S-Y-D-N-E-Y-R-O-S-A-N-T. That's the same thing on TikTok. Um, That's really where I do most of my posting. I'm also, I also do have my own podcast called Sydney Safe Space. So you can check me out on YouTube as well. And I am starting to post on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everything too. So, you know, just follow me on there. Listen, hopefully, you know, I talk about everything, pop culture, entertainment, sports, politics, all of it. So I Feel like everybody, if you're whatever your interest is, you're gonna get a little bit of that from me.
0: Hell yeah, y'all gotta go listen to her, and it's great. Like I said, y'all gonna like the lighting. It's real. It's real alluring. It brings you in, <laughs> makes you able to easily take you know pay attention, and she be having some some good some cool takes too. You know what I'm saying? Like about a lot of different things. So highly highly suggest for you to tap in, follow. You can find all the things to keep up with Sydney in the description of this episode. You can follow me everywhere that podcasts are available. Listen to Simply King Podcast everywhere, especially on YouTube. Um, you can follow me at Kings underscore Memoirs uh, on all platforms. Uh, all of them. I'm on all of them. now. It's, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. Y'all need to, whatever war that's happening, somebody need to go ahead and just lay down because I'm tired. I'm not posting <laughs> on everything. I'm going to try my best to keep up, but golly. You can follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG as well as go. Like the Facebook page. And if you need anything in the realm of creative production or digital marketing for your business, brand, or idea, check me out at lifeisking.com. Um, and you can see uh, examples of work uh, at, at lifeisking on uh, IG. So I appreciate y'all. I appreciate you, Sydney. Thank you so much for giving me your time. This is going to be dope. People are going to enjoy this. It's going to be informative. They're going to get into your shits. You feel me? Right. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. I have been Rodney Perry, also known as King. This has been Sydney Rosant. And this has been Simply King. Peace.